Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Look, I'm going to start again. I, I do this every single time, but tonight, you know, I just want to really want to honor our pastors, Pastor Ross and Mary. Like, like having done some leadership stuff and especially chaplaincy, like whenever you lead something or you push into something, like there's a huge amount of spiritual warfare. And I want to encourage you as a church, like I enjoy church. I love it. I love our worship. I love our preaching. I love the life of the Spirit in our church, which isn't everywhere you go. I've traveled all over the world and this is something very special. And I want to honor you, Pastor Ross. Like you're a great man of God and we enjoy, like give him a hand. We enjoy freedom in the spirit and, and even down to the fact Dave and I were talking about some honoring stuff and, you know, when you honor the pastor, you actually have access to everything they have on their life, you know, and I want to encourage you to honor your leaders because as you do, you can flow into stuff they've worked really hard for very easily. It's just a little thing to start with. But what I'm going to talk to you guys about tonight, and I want, I'm going to have an interactive service tonight, so you guys are going to have to actually do some stuff, nothing scary, it's, it's more just like close your eyes and ask God stuff, but you're going to have to do some stuff tonight, for, you know, for, for yourself, but for me, I'm going to ask you to do it for me, and what I'm going to talk to you tonight is, is the four keys, or four keys to the kingdom of God, okay, and they just, because um, I learned from, I think it was even Pastor Ross may have taught me this in Bible college, but they're going to all start with the word S, just to make it easy to remember. So if you're taking notes, it's going to be the four keys to the kingdom of God. Wow. And the first one, it's an S, is seek God first, okay? And what I'm going to do is like, I want to take you, whenever you're talking about something in Scripture, and I learned this from Shane Willard, you should always try and look for where it was first mentioned in the Bible. So I'm going to look where the seeking God was first mentioned. And it was Genesis 4:26, and it says this, To Seth also a son was born, whom he named Enosh, mortal man, mankind. That's important because it's saying that you know, he named his son mankind. It goes, And at the same time, when men began to call on the name of the Lord and worship through prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. So this guy names his son Enosh, but he also, at the same time as that, he's like, I'm going to begin to seek God. And before that, you know, we had Adam and Eve, and then they like pretty much just turned away from God and got lost. And mankind was lost from that point in time. And this guy was born, and he's like, you know what? There's something in me that knows that I'm not enough. You know, named his son mankind. He's like, there's something that in me that knows I'm not enough by myself. I can't do this alone. And it, another word for it in there, it says like, uh, it says worship through prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. But another key word that I heard um, Shane Willard say was, it was actually like the turning of the face, you know, and so he was, he was like, yeah, I'm going to, I've got my plan on what I've got to do, I've got my agenda and my plan focused here, but he's like, you know what, I'm not enough, so I'm going to turn my face and I'm going to look to God, and that's the first time it's mentioned, and I want you to remember that as we seeking God, is, is, it's just, it's not a difficult thing, there's so many ways you can seek God, but it's actually just taking your attention off what you are doing and turning aside. And if you look in the scriptures, there's like um, Moses with the burning bush and there's a whole bunch of instances where people were walking a certain way and then something happened and they're like, they, they made room, they turned, they turned aside. So I want to encourage you guys that, um, you know, like, you know, we have to seek God first. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures and I'm going to talk to them. It says that the first one is, is this is, I think, Ash's favorite scripture and it's become one of my very favorites. It says, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, and strive after His kingdom and His righteousness, His way of doing and being right, the attitude and the character of God, and all these things will be given unto you. So God's saying, He's saying, you know what, if you can actually take your focus off yourself and put your focus on me, I'll give you everything that you need. That's right. 
you know? So he's saying like, you know, because we're all like, no, but if I focus on what I want, and a lot of the system of the world is like, focus on what you want and you'll get it. And there's truth to that. But God's kingdom is completely upside down. And it's like, you know what? Don't focus on yourself. Focus on what I want you to do, and then you'll get what you need. So something that Christians, I think, need to be encouraged to do is like, take your eyes off what you're thinking about, put your eyes on God, put Him first, and see what He'll do. God has placed a desire for Himself within us. You know, and I want to say this to you, as you think about this sermon, just quickly close your eyes and go, God, what desire have you placed in my heart? What is it? What am I here for? Take your eyes off what you want to do. And just go, God, quickly, what am I here for? What do you want me to do? Awesome. Thank you for that. Okay, Luke 6 verse 12 says this. Now, this time Jesus went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Who's ready for an all-night prayer meeting, guys? (laughs) You know, I just threw this in there, and then there's another one. um, It says, but Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray in seclusion, Luke 5, 16. And what I want to challenge you guys with is that Jesus was our perfect example, right? So Jesus was this amazing son of God who came to earth, and he pretty much amplified or showed us perfectly who uh, the father was when he came to earth. And what his discipline was to do was it says he prayed all night and he constantly was finding secluded place to pray because he realized, I mean, he knew because he was God, but, you know, he wasn't focusing what he was wanting to do. And sometimes he would be doing what he was doing and then he'd be like, I need to get away because I'm, you know what I mean, I'm losing the focus of what God has for me to do today. Yeah. And, you know, like, I just, I re- re- as over reading that and thinking about it, and even over my own lifetime, there's been times and seasons where I'm like, yeah, I've got to do this, I'm working hard, I've got to get stuff done. And then I'm like, what am I even doing? And I look to God and God's like, oh, you're amazing. You know what I mean? Like, God's amazing. And then I'm back on track and following what He, what He, what he said. And, um, and this is one of the things I said about, I, I thought about this for the church, and this is one of the keys for the kingdom. If you seek God first, you're going to have what God has for you. But at the same time, how deep are you willing to go? Do you know what I mean? Because Jesus was like, the, he lived a lifestyle that he would do whatever it took to make sure that whatever he was doing, he was going to have success at. And if you look at, before, even before he went to the cross, it said he went up to the, the mountain to pray with the guys and he sweat blood. And, you know, it, was, he was, it said that he prayed this prayer. And I think, I think it was Reinhard Bonnke who was talking about it. He said, God, what was Jesus praying? And it said, not my will, but your will be done. Not, he was wrestling with his own flesh because he had to do the cross. And I mean, I don't know anyone here would be putting their hand up to go to the cross. Yeah, I want to die. I want to get stabbed. You know, like it's not a cool thing. And Jesus was like, you know what? I know this is what I need to do, but everything inside my, my physical body doesn't want to do it. As well as that, he took on the sins of the world and there's a whole bunch more stuff there. But, you know, I want you to ask yourself, how deep am I willing to go in seeking God first? Because the direct response to your willingness to seek God will be the direct response of God and what he does in your life. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was much younger, I moved into a unit, and actually, it's really weird, but this week I went back there to knock on a door to find one of my young people. This is like the youth care units that are down on East Street, and I used to live there with Phil and Chris Taylor, and I was like, it was just a mind spinner, you know what I mean, because it was back in the day, and I was like, I used to live here, this is crazy, and I knocked on the door and met someone and grabbed a kid and that. It was awesome. It worked out, thank goodness, that day. Um, But even just being there, I, I was reflecting on it, and I was just thinking to myself, like, when I moved into that house, I made a decision to not watch TV. You know, I was like, you know, I was going, yeah, Jesus. I think I was like 20 or something. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to like set aside every time that I would usually watch TV. I'm going to read books. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do all this sort of stuff. 
And I'd love to tell you that it was a brilliant story straight up. So about, for about three months, I was like just going, yeah, Jesus, having a great time. I was worshipping, I was praying, I was like getting heaps of stuff out of the Word. No really powerful things were happening. But after about three months, I just like hit like a brick wall. And I was like, man, blow this. I'm like, you know, I still did it, but I was like, I'm, I'm not getting anywhere with this. I don't feel any progression. I, I got really discouraged and I kind of was even like, you know, wavering with my decision. I think I watched a bit of cricket. You know I mean? I went around a place and like with a friend just was watching cricket. I'm like, I said I wouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then, you know, but I really was struggling to be honest. And then about six months into that decision, because I'd still managed to mostly do it, but that's not really the point. But I, I really set my heart to seek God. That was the decision that I made. And I got discouraged before I saw the breakthrough. But you know what? About six months in, I got asked to do um, worship leading for church. I got asked to sing the first time ever. And the stage was over here. It was in this church. Um, and I got asked to sing one song, you know, like the, I think it was one of the first praise songs. And I was nervous. And I think it was dad was like, Troy, are you going to sing? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll sing. So I'm like, I, one thing I decided earlier was like, I was always going to say yes. I'm not going to say no, I'm going to say yes. So I was like, he asked me and I was like, yes. And then I went home and went like, what on earth did you do? I hate being in public. Like, I'm pretty good with it now. And I'll tell you a bit more about that in a second. But like, I'm like, I hate speaking publicly. I hate singing publicly. And even back in singing, I was like freaking out back then. You know, I, mean, I was like fully peeking out, just going, ah! And then they asked me to sing a song. That means I'm responsible for the thing. And I was like, nah, stuff this. And then I'm like, I'm, the whole time, I'm like, yeah, I said I'd do it. And I'm like, I'm going to see Dale tomorrow. I'm going to call him up. I'm going to go see him. I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to do everything. And then I'd be like, God, I've got to get out of this. And God's like, nah, you need to do it. I'm like, no, but, you know. But anyway, truthfully, it was the massive struggle for me. I was like so afraid, you know, like terrified, like shaking afraid. And then in the midst of that whole situation, I went to sleep one night and had this amazing dream. And I'm not going to go into all the details of the dream because it would take too long. It's like an amazing dream and it changed the whole direction of my life, to be fair, the dream that I had. If you want to hear me, I'll tell the story to you privately. But in that dream, I met with God and God fixed like heaps of things in my life supernaturally and I just cried. I actually woke up in the morning and my, my pillow was wet with tears. And when I got up off out of my bed that morning, I was like walking like a meter off the ground. I was like... And to be, to be fair, like, I honestly, like, that, that church service, I was still a little bit nervous singing, but I just punched it out. I didn't even, like you mean, like, it's like fear was gone because I just knew who I, whose I was. And, I, and all the things that would, would stop me from doing that, God just dealt with in my dream when I was asleep. And it was, it's crazy powerful. It's hard to explain. But what I wanted to set up there is that I made a decision to seek God. And actually, when the answer came, I was probably what I would consider backslidden. Do you know what I mean? God's faithful when, even when we're not. I made a decision to seek God. God's like, hey, I like this. This is cool. I'm going to bring breakthrough for this person because they're really trusting me. And then I was like, you know what? I give up. And then next thing you know, I'm walking along. God's like, boom, massive breakthrough. See what I'm saying? So what I want to say to you is how deep are you willing to go? What are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to truly seek God with all your hearts, on mind and strength? Because I, I believe God will um, you know, you know, really punch it out of the ballpark. The second point is that was all seek, right? So the first thing I want to talk to you about is seeking God putting him first. The second one I want to talk to is called see what God sees. So, and segueing off what I did, you know what? God gave me a whole view of myself that was different. Beforehand, I was carrying like some trauma and some hurt from childhood. I was, you know what I mean? I was seeing myself as insignificant and unvaluable. And in that dream, God was like, you know, and I'll I'll actually share one part of it just because it helps with this, with a point, is that at the very end of the dream, God had come in my life before that, told me he loved me. He'd done some crazy cool things. And I was like, yeah, God's awesome. But in this dream, at the end of the dream, God had fixed a whole bunch of things, um, some that I was aware of and some that I wasn't fully aware of, but I just felt so light and free. And at the end of the dream, 
I was just sitting there and God stayed. And every other time I'd met God in church, it was like I'd come to an altar call and God would like hit me and zap me and I'd feel love and I'd feel acceptance. And I'd go, but then it would lift off and I'd be like, that was mad. I'm like, you know, God came and he did stuff and he left. In the gym, God came and did stuff. And then there was a question for me in mind because a while after he'd finished doing the last thing, he was still with me. And I was just like, God, you're still here. You know, and I, and I asked that, there's a question formed in my heart and mind. And then God was like, Troy, I just like being with you. And, and do you know, that cracked me. I like, that's, I hard cried in the dream for like an hour. It met every need that I ever had before then until now still does. And I'm still getting emotional talking about it because it was such a powerful experience. And it changed the direction of my life. Do you know what I mean? And that is like, you know what I mean? And what I'm saying is if you can see what God sees before that, <coughs> sorry, before that dream, I was like, I'm not valuable. I'm the youngest of four, single parent home. You know what I mean? Only one with my mum, my dad. I'm not important. I'm insignificant. No one values me. That wasn't true. Mum loved me like crazy. But I had that view of myself. And because of abandonment issues, because I would like, you know, go to sleep and I'd need to sleep next to mum because I was insecure. There was a whole bunch of stuff from childhood that was there. And God met all of that and more in one, one moment by just, just standing by me. Yeah? So... You know, what I want to do is just read a couple of scriptures here too. It says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Isaiah 58, 8 and 9. Uh, yeah, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11 as well. For I know the plans I, and the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, plans of peace and well-being, not for disaster, to give you hope and a future. And this is what I wanted to um, share with you guys to think about, is I want you guys to close your eyes just real quickly, and I want you to ask God this question. What is the prophetic vision or the dream God's placed on your heart? Say, God, what is the prophetic vision and dream you want to place in my heart? Some of you guys, when you ask that, it's just going to pop into your mind straight away because God's already given it to you and it'll be a reminder. Some of you guys, it, tonight might be your night to f- hear God for the first time. And I really believe when I was praying with this sermon that God was going to speak to hearts. He was going to walk through the aisles and just start touching people on the shoulder, whispering in people's ears and giving them vision. Okay, I want to tell you another story. Some people can keep listening. Don't worry about that if you, if you need to. Another story, another time I was talking about what God, when God, you see what God sees. I go to church. We have an awesome worship service. It was incredible, like tonight. But it went on for like about 45 minutes afterwards and people probably was you, Ross, prophesying over people and God was moving and people were getting healed and it's just cool. But then it stopped and I was like, I'm just not done. Do you know what I mean? I was really felt like I was connecting with God and I felt there was something being birthed or something happening for me. And I was like, I'm just not done, you know? So I raced out, jumped in my car, put worship on, drove home, went in my room, shut the door, just put worship music on and said, God, like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm not done yet. After about 10 minutes, God was just like, get the Bible out, read Isaiah 54. And you read, I know, Pete, you read this last week. You know what I mean? And I'm just going to paraphrase for time, but it's like, sing, O barren woman. And God's like, you know what, Troy? You've really worked hard. I was doing a lot of street evangelism with your sister, actually, with Rachel, who was here this morning. You mean with Matt and that, we'd seen very little fruit. And he's like, sing, O barren, your seeds are going to be great. You're going to multiply. I'm like, cool. And he's like, stretch the tent pegs. You know, he's like, no weapon formed against your prosper. There's about seven main scriptures that God gave me. Do you know what I mean? And before that, again, I was thinking a certain way, but after that, once you have a promise from God, once you have an experiential knowledge of who God is to you and a promise, you have something to stand on. 
You see things completely differently because you're not bound by what your thoughts are. And I'm telling you, man, those scriptures, they're true. God's plan is so much greater than you could even imagine. You know, like when I was a teenager, I thought I would never succeed or do anything. And I've been all over the world now. I've managed to preach the country in places that are just insane, like Nepal and like, you know, where you'd never even think you'd get to go. And Ash and I built buildings and I've been to Africa and like, you know, wait, I'm nobody. I'm like the youngest person of a single parent home, like that most of my teachers told would fail. Do you know what I mean? Like, to my face, you know, like, and God is so amazing. He can do anything. He can turn any life around, you know, and now, you know, God's helped me to be able to impact, like, heaps of young kids who are, like, the craziest and the, the insanest, you know, because, and the thing is this, this is, this is, go, this is a bit more than just for you, but this is mainly about what, you know, God sees for you, but you know what, you can do this for other people. I have some young people that I work with, I pray for them, and I see what God sees, and I just speak it over them. They think I'm a bit weird, do you know what I mean? But, you know, Warren, Warren Lohman, I told Warren Lohman when he was in high school, before he went off and went wild, that he would be a leader, that he would do all this stuff, and I, there was about seven things or six things I told him, and, you know, he did all of them in transformations, you know, like 10 years later on. I'm like, mind-blowing. And for me, again, it's that, it's that journey. I was like, yeah, I really believed it when I said it, and I spent six months mentoring him, doing, mentoring him and sewing in and doing everything I could, and then even his, his um, foster parents at the time were, like, fully behind it and backing it and like, yeah, this is awesome. Do you know what I mean? But then he went completely opposite direction. I was like heartbroken. Do you know what I mean? But look at him now. You know, like it's just so crazy. We give up before God ever d- does. You know, he wants us to hold on to things, see what he sees, declare it out. And yeah, which segues into my next point, which is the fourth point, And that's speak God's word, what you see in the spirit. So third one. Did I say fourth? Yeah. Okay. Third point is speak God's word, what you see in the spirit. And I'm just going to read out some scriptures here, and these are just Ezekiel 37. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied there was a thundering noise, and behold, the rattling and the bones came together, and, the, and bone to bone um, speak to dry bones to come alive. And that's what I was saying, like, in this scripture, it's about um, God showed, Eli- is it Elijah or Elisha? One of them two. Elisha. He showed Elisha Valley of Dry Bones and he's like, what do you see? And he's like, I see dry bones. And he's like, well, you know what? I'm going to raise up an army. And he starts to get him to declare and speak things out. And the second scripture was, uh, yeah, speak to those dry bones, come alive. And he said, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath of the Son of Man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they may live. Declare the word of the Lord. The, The third key that I have for you guys, first one is seek, the second one is see, and the third one is speak. Yeah. You know, God created the world with what He spoke. So you know, and if you look at it really um, carefully, this is exactly what God did when He created the world. He saw what could be. You know what I mean? He He actually is Himself. He doesn't have to seek Himself. He just knows who He is. But He saw what could be, and He just spoke it out. And then we now live in the fruit of His spoken word. You know, God's word has incredible power. And if you declare what you want to see, and we do that actually, praise and worship is pretty much just the declaration of who God is. And, you know, so where we come to church, sometimes we're like, oh man, I've had a tough week. I'm really struggling. And then we're like, Holy Spirit, come like a fire. And we're declaring it out. And then you know what happens? It happens. And then we are lifted up. And I tell you, I might be, I don't think I'm alone on this, but I know that whenever I come to church and I leave, I leave uplifted and encouraged. And I think this is a really important one because this is one thing that I actually struggle to do. But 
I want to encourage you to make, like, write out a list of things that you want to see. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, like, pray about it or things you believe God's promised you already. Because, you know, you can declare things out and that's power. Even if it's not something God's shown you, if you want something, you start speaking it out. It's proven that it works. Yeah. It yeah. gets into your brain and then it, you actually can actually manifest things even without spiritual stuff. But I promise you that if you've got something from heaven and you start to pray it and declare it out and spend time meditating on it, man, you're going to see it happen. Just be aware that it's not always in your timing. Okay. So quickly, just close your eyes again. I want you to ask God a question. What situation in your life do you need to speak life into right now? So what situation in your life do you need to speak life into? Awesome. Okay, I'm going to read another scripture for you guys. I'm going to keep on this, on the speak thing, we're going to go on a little bit of a different angle just quickly. I really felt to do this. And this is at Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge, in its, in it, and indulge it will eat its fruits and bear the consequences of their words. Okay, Proverbs 8, 21. I'm going to tell you a quick story about this as well, right? I had a friend uh, back in the day, we were both youth workers at the time, and he was working at Glendine. It was actually Phil Taylor. He won't care if I tell you. But um, he, um, he was like the most confident. He was leading the youth group. He was just pumping along. He was an awesome guy. And we had some really, really good connection and chatting. Like we talk into the night sometimes for hours. And he's just an awesome man of God. I still love him. He's one of my good friends. And, you know, he worked at Glendine for about, uh, about a year. But at about the nine month, nine, ninth month, he come to me and he's like, man, I'm just feeling so down. I'm like, bro, you're a gangster. Like, you're tough. You know, you, you know, God's blessing youth ministry. Like, you know, He's using you mightily. All these things are going well for you, and you know, like the hand of God's so on you. He's like, yeah, but man, like these people, these kids, you know, they just speak death all the time. He's like, you know, you're a C, you're a this, and you're a that, and like, you know, and actually, it's a culture we have in our society that a lot of kids who come from the wrong side of the tracks actually speak very, very derogatory of themselves and of their friends. And so, actually, they really loved Phil like absolutely loved him and adored him but the way they spoke like hit his soul do you know what I mean because it's negativity and was so and because he comes from the other side of the tracks he really struggled to get above that he ended up leaving that job at 12 months because he couldn't handle the the words you know because it started playing on the repeat in his brain whatever you hear it gets played over and then he started to feel the the weight of those words and so what I wanted to encourage you guys is that words have power so what you speak like whether it's spiritual or not spiritual, has power. So I want to encourage you to speak life. Every opportunity you have, try and play life in your brain. When you have times, you know, if you can, look in the mirror, like talk life over yourself because there's going to be so many messages coming at you that aren't life. You need to really work hard. There's another thing that I do with, um, I run like an anger management course and there's something about our brains that from when we were like, you know, like living in the wild pretty much because we've developed into having houses and being very safe now. But from that time, they believe there's a part of our brain called the reptilian brain that actually whenever something negative happens, our brain locks onto it to keep us safe and plays it over so that we, that we don't put ourselves in dangerous situations, yeah? But now we're in a safe thing. So pretty much for a positive experience to have the same weight as you as a negative experience has, you have to play it over in your brain 10 to 15 times. Does it make sense? So, you know, like 
you know, we might have only two or three negative things happen to us that really hit us, but our brain will lock onto those to create safety for us in the future. Now we live in the modern world, there's not as many dangerous situations for us, honestly, so it's a bit of a, um, a wasted utility for our brain. But just so you get to understand that the way your brain's wired, for you to have positive outcomes, you have to really meditate and play positive things through your brain. Does it make sense? And that's why words, when you have positive or negative words, you've really got to play positive things in your words. So, yeah, death and life are in the power of tongues. In the tower of tongues, speak life. I've got another question for you before I finish, before I say the last thing and finish up. It says, if there are any, uh, ask yourself if there are any words that have been spoken over me or that I'm speaking that I need to let go of. So just ask God, is there any words that have been spoken over me in the past by others or any words that I speak over myself or things that I speak over others that I need to let go of or stop doing? Okay, going to the last point. The last point is stand firm. So we've had seek, we've had see, we've had speak, and then we've got stand. And this kind of ties in with a lot of the stuff that I've said as, as you know, you've kind of got the hint that I, for me, I'm really distracted. So I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'm like real motivated. But then if it doesn't go my way, then I'm like, I'm off track, I'm chasing after something. Do you know what I mean? It's just my nature. And I'm having to learn over time to just stand my ground to stand firm on what God promises, yeah? And obviously, the scripture I'm going to read for this is Ephesians 6, and I'm going from verse 10 to 13. I'm just going to read it straight through. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, draw strength from Him, and be empowered through your union with Him, and in the power of the Spirit, sorry, and in the power of His boldless might. Put on the full armour of God, for His precepts are like a splendid armour of a heavenly armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending with the physical opponents, but against the rulers and against powers, against the forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly and supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you'll be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that crisis demands, stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. I just wanted to conclude with that, is that, you know what, you can, you can actually, you know, uh, seek God earnestly, you can actually uh, see what God wants to do, and you can even start speaking it out, but if you're not willing to stand the test of time, you know, you're going to really struggle to have success in God's kingdom, you know, and... I remember someone told me once, I think it was Dale again, he preached a sermon, I'll never forget it, about at one in every four people that start, step their foot into ministry actually make it past the age of 40. I think it was something like that. Do you remember that one? I was like, yeah. But for me, it really hit me at the time. I was thinking, I was thinking, I really want to be that one. Do you know what I mean? But, and then, you know, like, and then I started to, and over my life, I've looked many times and you look at all of the great people of faith in the Bible, they were promised things and they saw things, and then they had to wait for seasons until God brought to pass what they'd fully... Like, David was, like, promised as a teenager, and then he was, like, 30-something when he became, you know, like, the king of Israel. And I think, um, you know, Daniel went through, like, four different reigns of kings, and he was, like, but he was promised as a child, and then he went... No, no, that was Joseph. Joseph was promised a child, and then he went through a whole bunch of stuff, and then finally became, you know, like, the uh, prime minister of Egypt. And there's every, everyone, every single, almost every great Bible character that you can see 
Moses as well had these tumultuous journeys like, you know, it's like we see A to B and God's like, A, B. (laughs) It's seriously the way it works, you know. So I want to encourage you guys that, you know, and even my journey hasn't always been exactly what I wanted to to happen, but, you know, God is faithful. And, you know, I'm standing with Pete, his word last week about revival. God promised me when I was 17, I was only being saved for like a small amount of time, that we would see revival in Harvey Bay. And, and I genuinely believe that we're going to see God do it, you know. So, in conclusion, right, seek God first. See what God has to see. Speak out, speak it out, declare it, and then stand firm. Thanks, guys. Well done, Troy. That was a great word. So, it's tag team preaching. That's part one. And uh, part two, we're going to, let's stand up and let's honour Hawani as he comes to bring the word tonight. You go for it. We're with you. Uh, Take your seats, thank you. Well, Troy, I think I should have gone first rather than second, but, um, you know, that's okay. I'll uh, I'll get there. Uh, To you, Mouldy Order. No my hide my picky my kaki my taikie. Just a brief uh, introduction for my uh, tongue. Obviously, I'm a New Zealand Maori, but uh, I give thanks uh, to God first of all for uh, me being here. Without Him in my life, I would not be here today, standing in front of you as well. Uh, look. Uh, I keep getting um, Pastor Ross, and I'm so thankful for him to uh, give me a call a few weeks ago, yeah, about a month. Um, he called me up and says, hey, look, we're just putting through the uh, calendar for the next roster. Would you like, would you bring a word for 15 minutes? I think, yeah, this is great. I'm going to have at least a month to be able to, you know, put something in my, together and stuff like that. But one of my, um, yeah, one of my, uh, what do I say, my... Uh, it's procrastination, I'll own it. Yeah, as we all know, we, uh, I'll own procrastination. However, nothing really spoke to me. Nothing was really standing out to me until yesterday when we had the cricket match. Yeah, I know. Yeah, revelation right there. It's not that revelation we were going to lose, but we did come close, so I say that. And the boys are asking when's the next one. We are ready, fire it up, ready to go. However, Pastor Pete uh, called together the two captains and they got them together, and Jerry, our captain, and uh, I can't remember who the uh, captain was, and got together, and he got a coin. And he got a coin, and he tossed a coin. Who's going to call, heads or tails? So he tossed a coin, and it was called. I must admit, we lost a toss. We were sent into field, but that's okay. But what really got me thinking was about life and how we live our lives 50-50. We live our lives 50-50. We live our lives by a toss of a coin. What we really need to be thinking about is what do we allow ourselves to be 50-50? Where do we place God in our lives? Do we allow him to be the 50-50? In the past? Do we allow him to be the 50-50 standing on the fence? Or do we allow him to be the 100 in our lives? Yeah. 
Where do we allow him to be? Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. It doesn't say, trust in the Lord with all your heart one minute. Nick minute, trust in him on something else. It doesn't say that. Allowing God to be part of your life that you make him 50-50 proposition is not allowing God to give you what he has for you, which is his unconditional love. Who would ever want to have half of that? Ask yourself, would you want to have half of what God's offering? He's offering you 100% of his unconditional love. I know for myself, I don't want half. I'll put my hand out, hands up. Put your hands up if you want 100% of God's unconditional love. 100%. Not 50-50. And it sounds even so weird to be even saying that. So how much do you want? Do you say, you know what, I'm okay with 40% and, you know, my neighbor, because I'm such a caring and giving God a person, you know, you can have 60. No, it doesn't work like that. He's got enough love for each and every one of us here, enough love for 100% for each and every one of you here. Each and every one of us. So let's do this. Bit of participation again. Let's do this. Cover one eye with your hand. Cover one eye. Now look around at your neighbor. Look around at everywhere else. Look around. All right. Take that hand away. Now have a look at what you just looked at with two eyes. Right? Now let me say this to you. Did you know that you can see more with one eye than what you can with two it reminds me with what Pastor Ross spoke about this morning with uh, Paul, and he was blinded with two eyes. When, he, when the scales came away from his eyes, you know he saw with one eye? He saw from the truth of God's eyes that he was looking for. So whenever he went forward, he kept looking with the truth from God through two eyes. With one direction, with one eye, which is God's eyes. Some of you are, might be here saying, you know what, I'm, yeah, I can put my hand up, I can own that, I'm 50-50, I'm 50-50. The difference is, you will allow that to form who you are. Always second-guessing, always second-guessing who you are. You will always see things in a split view. You will, you will see when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are reborn. John 1.13, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but birth that comes from God. You know, this has been a big year for me. It's been a big challenge for me and a journey of discovery in every aspect of my life. And yet God has been guiding me every step of the way. I'm still learning about myself, not seeing things through 50-50. For me, that means I'm only trusting God 50% of the time. 
Just last week, I've been challenged with my studies. You know, I've been doing Bible studies. And um, I put in an assignment. And I haven't studied for 30 odd years. For Pete's sake, I left high school, didn't do anything else. And um, I put in this assignment. And um, it came back to me. I needed to resubmit it. Instantly, the condemnation started to come back on me. Wow, you're no good. What are you doing? You said you couldn't do this. How was the devil trying to say to me? You know what? He was trying to put doubt in my mind. And because I was seeing, if I saw that as a 50-50 proposition, it wasn't until I looked at it and says, you know what? I trust in my God. I know he's got this. I know that, you know what, maybe it wasn't right for me at this time. Maybe he's got, he needs me to see something that I'm not seeing. And only when I realized that my God has got this for me, did I realize that, you know, I was okay. It came back to me and, you know, it said, resubmit it again. Wow, see, I knew he had this. Why would I, why would I ever doubt and why would I ever worry? He's got this, and he's got this in your life. A couple of things that got me thinking. John 19:18, they, they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, and Jesus was in the middle. Think about it. Whenever you see an image of Jesus on the cross, he is always in the center, not on the left, not on the right, he is always in the center. He is not even with them, he is always in the front. Every image you see, Jesus is nailed on the cross, in the center, in the front. Not behind them, not behind them, but in the front. Splitting the 50-50. Luke 23, 39, 43 says, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you are at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have sentenced to die? Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. This criminal finally got off the fence, stopped being in the 50-50, and Jesus said, I assure you today, I will be with you, will be with me in paradise. He finally got off the fence. He finally got off the 50-50 and allowed Jesus to be the 100 in his life. And it didn't matter that he was nailed to a cross. It didn't matter. He knew then that he gave his 100% to God. So let Jesus be your center. Let him be in front of you, not behind you. Let today be the day, 
this day, this night, you stop tossing a coin and living in a 50-50 life. You deserve much, much more with our Lord, our God, and paradise sounds so amazing to me. How much amazing does it sound to you? Romans 8.30 says, And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. He gave them right standing with himself, and having given them right standing, he gave them glory. He gave them glory. In New Zealand, we have a Maori word, and it's called etu. And I'll probably just end with this. So I'll say this to you today. Etu, stand. Etu, stand for your family. Etu, stand for your loved ones. Etu, stand for your brothers. Etu, stand for your sisters. Etu, stand for your wives. Etu, stand for your loved ones. Etu, stand for your unborn children. Etu, stand for you. Stand in the gap for those. Stand in the present. Etu, stand. Be counted with God in your life. Allow him to be 100 in your life. Never look back. Don't trust in the 50-50. Don't toss that coin. But live with God in your life 100%. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you all. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.